Welcome back to Brisky Business. This segment of the program is Brisk Bulls and Bears. And this is a public market segment. And I love that we've got Dan Dwyer, the CEO from Ruthless Corporation, on the horn with us. Dan, uh, this has been a great show. Thank you for being here with us. You're welcome. So, uh, this is going to be cool because this public market segment, everyone's thinking public markets. We get all types of advice. We get tips on different public companies. And I, I asked you off mic to tell me about how, you know, do you invest in public companies? And you said no. And, and then you go, well, what are we going to talk about in the in the public market segment? And our listeners, this is this is going to be new for them because you very much are in the public markets. It's just you're in the commodity trading, which is also trading in the public markets. So why don't you tell us a little bit in your mind what makes commodity trading maybe different from trading in public companies? Okay, well, in commodities, it's it's supply and demand. And then it's the market, other market forces. So if we have too much coffee in the world, market should go down. But it doesn't all the time. And why is that? Because we have macro things happening. A cheap dollar, for instance, as I mentioned. Coffee may go up because cocoa and sugar are up that day. And these fund managers decide to buy a basket of commodities. Same way on an index. You, you may lose money in an individual stock. But if you're in a basket, you're okay. So you mentioned that I don't trade public companies. And I look at the stock market a lot like coffee. And when we had the COVID came in, I said, how could the economy recover or stay strong when business is shutting down, uh, people are working at home, uh, mass transit has come to a standstill, cities are not gonna pay their taxes and and bills. So the COVID scared me as far as the stock market, but I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, you know, you, it's sometimes super un, unpredictable. Um, so in your personal life, though, are you, for your own investments, are you a, are you in the commodities trading end of business? Uh, I, I don't trade commodities for my own personal wealth. Why is that? Because I'm trading it for the company, and that's enough risk one could take in life. <laughs> I think if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong twice. I hear you. For myself and my company. So tell me... Um, in, in a, uh, obviously, this uh, commodity trading is major for you and in, in your company yes. and you've got traders. Tell me about some of the big wins or the big swings or some of the excitement that have happened in uh, commodity trading. 1980s, the coffee market was 44 cents a pound. Cost of production was a dollar. So how could coffee trade at 44 cents a pound with a cost of production at a dollar? Well, it did. And people were bearish at 44 cents. Sure enough, the market rallied soon after that. In 2011, market went to $3. Whenever you have these moves, like to a $3 market or 44 cents, everybody's bullish at the top and everybody's always bearish at the bottom. And I love the fact that we have that volatility, is that we understand volatility for the last 25 years, but we trade against the volatility. Volatility. If you're not prepared for that volatility, what type of uh, liquidity problems does this uh, create for uh, other companies? And how do you manage that? And is it, is it an opportunity or is it? It certainly you- is an opportunity, Dave. The, 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 the value that we have working for Rothfuss Corporation, owned by the Neumann family, we're only in coffee. So we understand our product. We understand it pretty well. 
We're the largest coffee trader world. With that, we have a consortium of banks that will finance us. We love with the volatility in the market because we can handle our liquidity. We don't have to worry about the market going up and being squeezed out of the market because we can't need margin calls. So we love a $3 market because it, 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 it pushes us ahead of the field. I think you're one of the few companies that could sustain a $3 market, actually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, the barrier to coffee has been very, very cheap, very small, because the banks were willing to take the risk. And there was no volatility in coffee for a few years. Now we're starting to see volatility in the marketplace should change very quickly. Yeah, it can, and it can change very, very fast. You know, Dan, I, I do want to personally thank you. I know you've been out to our, uh, our facilities out in uh, Nicaragua. And, uh, you know, we, we were able to have uh, what I call some of the luxuries of being in business or some of the fun of being in business when you get yeah. to go into these foreign countries. And, and that happened to be a, a trek into the rainforest. So that was a very, very special time. But I also know that when you're doing what you do and knowing where the coffee regions are, some of these uh, experiences can be quite harrowing. Uh, do you have any experiences yeah. like maybe in a Vietnam or a Colombia that you'd care to share about? Uh, in Colombia, because we were one of the biggest buyers, I'm, I'm sorry, in Vietnam, we were one of the biggest buyers. When I went to the first time, they wanted to have a giant dinner party for me, all the, all the farmers and the, the exporters. So I was the host. Little did I know that the dinner they were going to serve me was a giant snake. <laughs> only because only done for special customers or special care. So and we had snake fried. We had it boiled. We had it fried. But before we had the snake meat, they took the heart out, put it on my plate since I was a guest. And as the heart is beating on my plate, I had to, I had to eat it. And I did. <laughs> so did it taste like chicken? No, it tasted like steak heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I, I was early into China, so uh, as a, uh, in, a, in a prior business to where I am now, and uh, I definitely had some similar experiences to that. And culturally over there, it's, it would be quite an insult, right, not to enjoy the food. Yes, exactly. So uh, you, you really got to put that smile on your face and suck it down. I, I didn't eat a beating snake heart, so I'm feeling my pretty fortunate right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we had another dinner one time, and it's this gamey meat I'm eating. And I said to my interpreter, so what is this? Because ah, you have it in the United States. I'm eating it's bony and grizzly. I kept saying, what is it? They kept saying, you have that in the United States. I said, what's the name of it? He goes, Fox. I said, yeah, we have them, but we don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then any harrowing experiences? Because these third world countries aren't easy to get to. Um, you know, I've, you know yeah. getting back into the rainforest in Nicaragua is beautiful once you're there. But let me tell you, it's somewhat of a yep. mission. Have you, you know, been at any crazy experiences as you went to find coffee? Yeah, one time when we were on a small little plane in, in Guatemala, and we're flying around Guatemala, and it's hot, and there's no air conditioning, of course, and the pilot has the radio super loud. And I asked him, I said, could you turn the radio down? He said, no, because we don't have radar. <laughs> and when, it, when the music cuts out, I have to go higher because I know there's a mountain close. <laughs> 
Are you serious? True story. Uh, it's a true story. And how did that I make said, you keep feel? the radio loud. Keep it loud. <laughs> can you turn up? It would be, can you turn up the radio? We can't hear it back here, would yeah, be the moral yeah. of that story. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I remembered uh, you telling a story when we were in Nicaragua um, and uh, having a couple of beers one day, and you were talking about uh, being pulled off a plane in uh, Colombia. Uh, yeah. What happened? Yeah. There? So after they made me the CEO, they decided that I should go and see every one of our exporting com companies on a personal basis. Great idea. So I flew down to Colombia the first time, spent two days in Colombia, a day in Salvador, day in Honduras, day in Guatemala, and then I came, we flew back to Colombia. So, you know, five countries, six days, who doesn't do that? I'm on the airplane, ready to fly home from Bogota. All of a sudden, these policemen with machine guns and rifles come up, come on the plane, come up to me, and drag me out of my seat. They brought me to this room. My luggage was on top of a table. And they say, can we go through your luggage, sir? I said, oh my God, there's gonna be cocaine in there. I'm going to jail for the rest of my life. This is it, this is it. One hour of them searching and searching my, my clothes and all of that. Fine, they put me back on the plane and, and that was the end of that. I got a big question for you. You know, this is Brist's Best and Brightest. And we talked about this off mic, that this is really about mentorship a little bit. We got a lot of folks looking for tips and tidbits of, you know, how to advance their careers. And in this new, what I call the new COVID-19 normal, which of course, I don't think any of us, no matter how old we are, uh, have uh, ever prepared for a global pandemic uh, to take place. And, you know, we had all these young people that were starting off in school and getting ready to start their careers. And, you know, they, they were going to come out this year uh, with so much promise and then this hit. So do you think, you know, what do you think the younger folks out there coming out of school, what are they going to have to do differently in this economy, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. I mean, we're all remote. We're 35 people in our office. We haven't been in our office since March 17th. And we've had to deal with this new challenge. I see it our younger people who have a better skill set in computers than that's all that the 30 to 40 year old people we have are doing a tremendous job maintaining their their workflow on a daily basis and, and, and taking on new responsibilities without supervision over their shoulder so i think that it's i would say that they they're more aggressive in their approach to the daily business than they had been when they were sitting at a desk and figuring that as a team here everything's fine everything everything's good. You know, if five people own the problem, nobody owns the problem, right? Yeah. I mean, and those that are kind of looking for work or worried about, you know, getting, a, you know, a downsize maybe taking place due to the, you know, the, the issues and the negative impacts that this has created, you know, what do you think they have to do to set themselves apart to make sure that, uh, you know, they're not on that cut list in your mind? I think they have to take that this what's taking now may ex be extended for a year or so. I don't say that I need to do, we could do something to bridge the gap. We've hired three people since COVID and they're learning as fast as other employees did when we were in the office. As they're accepting this challenge and not taking it as a giant negative, which it is, of course, but they're taking it as a challenge and they're very, very vocal. They're, uh, they're, they're asking more questions because you have to ask questions. You're not in an office environment. 
and I, and I see emails at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night answering emails, 10 o'clock at night, still working. So it's no longer a nine to five job. They may not have as much to do with one hour, but they're working eight o'clock till nine o'clock at night. You know, I think, and I think and that's what it's going to take. Those hours and, and taking that. Yep. And that's what it's going to take, right, Dan? I mean, you're just going to have to push that extra mile and make yourself indispensable. Um, yes. So, you know, we that's talked right. a, a little bit about the millennials and how they help the coffee business uh, along and, you know, their heart for giving. But, you know, I'd like to tackle this here, especially in mentorship, you know, coffee and sustainability. You know, those of us that are in the coffee business, um, sustainability becomes, you know, a really big issue. I'd love your opinion on uh, sustainability. Uh, as you know, our, our uh, coffee's grown up in the rainforest. And, uh, you know, I'd like you to, and like you to, you know, maybe talk a little bit about Nicaraguan sure. coffee, but more importantly, sustainability. Okay, sustainability is something that's been around for now seven to eight years. It's a broad, broad subject because what's sustainable in one origin may not be at another origin. Or to the consumer, what's, what do they want is sustainable? Do they want uh, fresh water for towns because coffee could, could damage it with their bad irrigation? Do they want farmers to be able to increase their yield each, each year? So they have money to put back into the farms. Their coffee will be here for the next 50 years. Uh, and so sustainability, we, we tried at the, at, at the association to put, a, to put a definition of it. It took about six months because what's sustainable to one country is not sustainability in another. Yeah, and you know what? The sustainability of the coffee business is one thing, but then if you want different certified coffees, for example, you know we have uh, rainforest certification. Yes. Now we're talking about sustainability of the rainforest. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, the rainforest really took off after the last few years. It's probably, in our portfolio, it's one of the biggest certificated coffees that we sell. I think it's easy for the consumer to understand what the rainforest is all about, to say that we need the rainforest, and that rainforest has, does a good job in promoting their, their brand. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. There are some other certificates in the marketplace that I would not say the same. Yep, you're right. And I, and I think that's one we can get around two ways, right? The sustainability of the rainforest and obviously coffee growing. Is, is coffee, as uh, in terms of the farms that you're seeing out there, is, is the, those that are growers, is the growing population shrinking in your mind? Yeah, the big problem in coffee is I think if we look at Colombia, the average coffee farmer is over 50 years old. Is over how it's long? It's not interesting. For over 50 years old, the average coffee farmer. Wow. The young people left the farms. They'd rather work, say, in a Nike factory than on the farm. So it's, it's going to be a challenge to make sure that the producers get enough money for their product so the next generation will do the same. You know, Dan, one of the things that, and you know I appreciate a great cup of coffee, and I know you do too, but it is how shocking is it to you how cheap it is for somebody to drink a cup of coffee when you know what it takes to put this coffee in the cup? Yeah, I mean, it, coffee, the, the, between the, from the farmer to the, to the export, to the middleman, to the roast, to putting in a can, to putting on a shelf, it's got to be the cheapest product on the supermarket shelf. 
Yeah, and, and one of the best, and the demand is so high, and yet price has never really gone, you know, crazy like other things. No. Now, the problem with coffee has always been boom and bust. When you have years of low, low prices, farmers don't put them down to fertilizer, and then what happens? You have a shortage, and then the market rallies 50% higher than it should be. So the market goes to $3. That, and then all of a sudden, so everybody puts, grows more coffee, grows more coffee, and then the cycle continues. Then we have the bust years. Yeah, what do you think the, the I think, what, where's coffee right now in the buck 20s range? Yeah, dollar twenty-five. Yeah, so where do you think that sweet spot is for good sustainability from a price point? It, I think if we had a majority of the roasters around the world from different origins, it would say right about here, dollar twenty-five by the, the Central America is okay. It's okay with the cost of production. Got it, Dan. You know, you've you've watched the program before, and we talked about gap moments. You know, those moments. Uh, you know, you work your butt off. You talked about now, guys working to nine o'clock. You talked about you know you have to be up at four in the morning, and sometimes it's hard to find a vacation time. What do you do to find uh, joy in your life? What does Dan Dwyer do on that daily basis when it's you know so it's not all work? There's actually a little bit of play. What brings you that joy? What do you, and what do you do? Well, I used to play ice hockey until I hurt my head. <laughs> And my wife maybe retire. I'm not a golfer. So uh, I bought a house in the mountains of North Carolina. I go there quite often. And what do you love about that? You know, I live on Long Island, which is, was a great place all my life. But it, it's 4 million people, 90 miles long. I'm here in North Carolina. I live in this, 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 this area. Hundred acres. I have, I have four neighbors. <laughs> That's perfect. I told them I have to take my car too. And you used to be in downtown Manhattan. That's quite a change. Down, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, Dan, we've got maybe just a few seconds. What do you think about uh, Nicaraguan coffee? Since uh, that's near and dear to our hearts, and we got lots of shareholders that tune in. Yeah. What's your thought on it? Well, if you take a look at the quality of Nicaraguans, it's one of the it's one of the, one of the biggest buyers of Nicaragua coffee is Starbucks. So what does that tell you about the origin to begin with, right? It's a very high quality Central American coffee. Uh, and it, it's probably very, very consistent from one farm to the next, which is which is great for the great for the consumer, great for the roaster, because if you like your Nicaraguan coffee, that can you buy this week? will be the same that you buy in three months from now. Yep, and consistency is everything. So we're going to wrap it up here, Dan. Everything. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. It was a great show. Thank you again for uh, coming on Brisky Business. I love learning more about coffee, and uh, you're one of the best experts uh, anyone could ever listen <laughs> to. So uh, we'll wrap it up here. This finishes and concludes our uh, segment of Brisky Business this week. Thank you, Dan Dwyer, CEO, Ruffus.